Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the good, bad, and ugly of business. I am your host, Katrin Becker. In this podcast, we talk to business owners, entrepreneurs, real estate investors, corporate executives, you name it. We talk to everyone and anyone because all of us have a short story to share and something that we can learn from one another. Because on this podcast, we believe that there's more that brings us together than separates us. And there's something that we can learn and grow in every single moment. So on today's episode, I have Mark Hirschberg, who has a similar story to me. He started out as an engineer at MIT in physics and computer science and electrical engineering, but now he's an author and a speaker and a teacher. So we are so glad to have him on here and to learn about what he has learned throughout his career and how it can help each and every one of us. So Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. Well, hopefully I did pretty good with that introduction. You have had quite the career and something we share in common, both coming from engineers and then authoring books and uh, becoming speakers. It's not typical for engineers. So what was that like for you? You're right. That as engineers, we are taught that the world is black and white. There are right answers and wrong answers. And we get ahead because on our problem sets and our tests, if we get more right answers than the next person, we do better. <laughs> we go on to schools or grad schools or get the job. But the real world doesn't work that way. Your boss doesn't say, here is the question I have, and hint, use the formula I taught you this past week to solve it, and write down the number in this little box. The real world's more complex. It is picking the right problem. Sometimes it's not the problem you're being asked to solve, but a different problem you weren't asked to solve. It's not only getting the answer, but it's convincing other people of the answer. Your professors, you said, here's the number. They go, yep, I see the math. But for others, it's a more complex problem and why your approach is better than someone else's. And explaining that to people who have different perspectives and different knowledge, that's a really complex part of the problem. And then of course you have all the people dynamics as well. And so all this makes- Hold on, wait more. a minute. You're saying that engineers are people? Hold on, newsflash. Despite, <laughs> despite the common misconception, engineers <laughs> are in fact people. Not robots. People, deep down. Well, yeah, we were not trained for this. No, absolutely not. And, and for me, I think that, you know, I became an engineer just because I was pretty good at math, but I really love problem solving. I love to be able to use logic and see things um, in a in a different way. And I think that's one of the things that brought me into engineering. Um, what was kind of the driver for you that made engineering the the choice for college and, and beyond? I was a classic 80s nerd. Chess, Star Trek, math. Engineering and science were just natural fits. In fact, I knew from the age of nine that I wanted to go into physics. So that was a natural fit, but that's also what got me out of engineering because what I found, now I didn't go into physics per se for various reasons having to do with what was happening in the fields. I went to computer science. It was the 90s. And so leaving as a software engineer, that was good time and place. Yeah. But what I realized was that I was solving a very limited set of problems. I think of it like Legos, something we both grew up playing with. Uh, still do. Legos, they're great, but they're limited in scope. The spaceship that I build is a lot like the spaceship that I've built before and the one before that. If I just want to build a spaceship, great. But 
um, or other types of things, but it's just building. That's the only kind of thing you can do with Legos. Whereas other games give you different types of challenges and problems. So when I moved from strictly engineering, just calculate this value and moved into more man management, that's where I got the people issues. And there aren't as many hard and fast rules. For any rule you can think of, you can find an exception. A great rule is hire people smarter than yourself. That's a good rule. But you know what? If you're managing McDonald's and you're hiring a bunch of teenagers to be your fry cook, you don't necessarily want to get the most super <laughs> smart geniuses you can find. They're going to get bored mopping the floors. So you can find exceptions to any type of business advice. And that's what makes it so interesting and challenging. It's a harder problem space. Well, and you, the book that you authored is called The Career Toolkit. And in it, you address more of what we sometimes call the softer skills, but you know, sometimes man, like mastering the softer skills is the harder path to follow. So how did you start learning these skills? And did you have like training that you went through? Or was it more of just noticing that there was this gap and figuring out what worked for you to fill it? I wish I had training. I learned this the hard way that after I hit my head against the wall a couple times, I said, huh, what's this wall all about? <laughs> I recognized I had shortcomings and so invest in myself. Now we didn't have great podcasts like this one or books like yours and mine back then. So I really had to figure things out kind of on my own. And as I was upskilling myself, I realized these skills don't just apply to leaders and C-suite executives, they apply to everyone. So I began to upskill my team. Now, as I was doing so, MIT had gotten feedback from companies saying, these are the skills we wanna see. Leadership, networking, negotiating, team building, communication, skills we've all heard about. They said, we can't find these skills, not just in engineers, not just in college students, but in general, we can't find people with these skills. So MIT put together a program. It's colloquially referred to as MIT's Career Success Accelerator. And as they were doing this, I reached out. I said, look, I've developed some content for my team. I'm happy to give it to you. Thought it'd be one and done. But they asked me to help develop more content and then stay and teach, which I've now done for over two decades. And that inspired the book, whereas the class is targeted to our undergraduate students I took the concepts and generalized it for a wider audience, not just engineers, not just undergrads. And that led to the book, The Career Toolkit. Okay. So you cover, I believe there's 10 different topics within your book that you go through. And obviously they're all important, but over the time that you've had this and the trainings that you've done, are there some that are the most important? Like if someone needs like to prioritize what they're going to master, what are the top three that they should focus on? I get this question a lot. And I'll first note the way the book is written, 10 skills, 10 chapters, you don't have to read in order. You can jump straight to chapter eight, skipping chapters one through seven, if chapter eight is where you want to focus. And this is the point because there's not one road, one set, set of skills, whether one skill or a couple that are key. Maybe you're saying, I am so bad at networking and I know I need to get better for more opportunities or maybe I'm in sales, I need to develop my network for sales. Well, in that case, you can jump to chapter eight networking. You might say, I don't know where to start. 
start with chapter one, creating a career plan. You might say, my interviewing isn't very strong. Go to chapter three, interviewing, or I want to become a better leader, go to chapter four. So it really depends on yourself and where you are and what you believe will be the right area to invest in. As you point out, you should invest in all of them, but some of them might have a better ROI for you in the short term. If you're not sure where to start, start with chapter one, create a career plan. Because like any of our projects at work, if you don't have a goal and a path to get there, it's really hard to know that you're doing the right thing. And you know, as silly as it sounds, sometimes people just need permission to go to the end of the book, right? It doesn't have to be linear. Like go to chapter eight if you need to go to chapter eight. And I love that MIT has put this together and to see that things have changed. You know, it's been 20 years since I came out of the educational system. And I know when I went to Colorado School of Mines, I barely had an English class. Like there was, there was nothing about business. There was nothing about these soft skills. It was all hard maths and sciences. And then they sprinkled in a little economics, like take micro and macroeconomics. You're good to go. Good luck. How, why do you think it's like that? And what are the trends that you're seeing uh, for change? Great question. If you think about it, let's take a skill like networking. We've all heard networking is so important. It's not what you know, it's who you know. We hear this from our parents, our teachers, our professors. And yet we've had more formal training in how to tie our shoes than how to (laughs) network. What the heck? If this is so important, why did no one sit us down and teach it to us? The reason, there are historical reasons for this. High school is a relatively modern invention going back about 150 years. And that was really designed to help us get off the farm and into the factory. 200 years ago, I'd learn from dad, you'd learn from mom, and that's all we needed. When we got into the factory, we needed reading, writing, arithmetic. We had to know the sign says, do not touch spinning blade. (laughs) You need basic skills, but you didn't have to have networking skills to go work in the factory. So that was very basic. Now at the university level, these are run by professors. And professors are wonderful people, but they are so narrow. The professors got to where they are by getting that high school education that's general, and then studying their field as an undergrad, then studying a subfield in their master's degree, then becoming the world's expert when they got their PhD. And these PhDs got together and said, well, if you want to be an engineer, here are the classes you need to take. Some calculus, some intro to engineering, a few of these. The school might layer on, oh, you have to do a language or a history from general stuff. The professor said, okay, yeah, fine, fine, whatever. But if you want to say you're an engineer or a marketer or an accountant, you need to take these classes and get this knowledge. And that's what your degree says. It doesn't say you're a good engineer. It certainly doesn't say you're a good employee or worker. It just says, you've got this knowledge. And that was fine circa 1950 when we were cogs in the machine and you sat there and said, what next, sir? Thank you, sir. I'll take it from my inbox, put it in my outbox. But in today's world where we have these dynamic teams and you're working with different people, where it's no longer that your boss knows more than you, you have a CMO, a chief marketing officer who looks at the 24-year-old and says, TikTok, what is it? How do we use it? And so it's not supervisory and structural and that changes the dynamic and that means new skills but the university system has not caught up there unfortunately i think it's going to be another 20 to 30 years before it does finally catch up 
and they incorporate these skills and become more about professional development, mm -hmm. giving you the training you need to be success in your career, rather than we're just going to hand you some knowledge based on a thousand year old guild. And, you know, it, it's interesting to think 150 years, that's like two people ago, right? Like it's not that much time to evolve. So that really does put it in perspective. And, you know, something that I experienced a couple months ago, my son, when he turned 11, we took um, him and two of his friends to the zoo and it's about an hour drive from where we live. And so I'm in the front, you know, letting them chat. And I am fascinated by listening to their conversation going back and forth because at that point in time, I hadn't really let my son play video games and these other two boys did. And my son could interact and be part of the conversation as if he knew exactly what they were talking about. And I found it fascinating of how these kids are learning from each other at a peer to peer level. That is something that I don't feel like we truly utilize in our systems today, but I know that you do some work in, in that space. So I'd love to hear more about that. I encourage organizations to implement peer learning. Here's the thing about these skills. I can teach you the periodic table in chemistry. I can stand at the board and say, let's start with hydrogen, then helium, and one by one go through them, and here are electron shells. There is no formula for leadership. There's no periodic table for communications. It's all very situational. It's more like learning sports. I can teach you the rules of a sport in 30 or 60 minutes, but it's going to take you years to master it. And the way you learn is by doing. It's by doing drills or playing scrimmage games or getting coaching or feedback or watching the tape. But in our offices, we don't have that opportunity. It's very hard to say, hey, everyone, I'm going to try leading a different way. And then half a day later, when you've completely screwed it up, you go, okay, time out, do over, <laughs> count. Nope, you already have the lawsuits filed against you. <laughs> Instead, we need to create these areas for us to scrimmage and practice. And here's the thing. There are experts. There's lots of leadership experts, but you don't always need us. You don't need us the whole time. So what you can do is create these peer learning groups. And I recommend you can do this in your company. If your company doesn't want to do this, go create a local meetup group, find people from other companies. If you're perhaps an entrepreneur by yourself, find other entrepreneurs and do it together. So come together as a group. I recommend groups about six to eight people, but you can scale it up and then get some content. Now that could be a book. And yes, you can use my book, but you can use other books, business books, leadership books, communication books, use podcasts, use this one, use the episodes you hear on this great podcast, use articles, use videos. And what you do is you read some of the pages or you listen to one of these episodes and then come together to discuss it because it's in that discussion. This is where you start to say, well, I think of leading this way. And she talked about this and so on says, okay, yeah, but I think of it that way, or I tried that and here's where it didn't work for me. And that's part of our scrimmage. It's learning from each other. It's looking at real world situations. This by the way, is how business schools teach. It's also how we're teaching these skills at MIT in the program I mentioned. So it's in that discussion that you start learning. And by the way, if you do this, there's four great things that come out of it. First, you're upskilling your team. Everyone who goes through this, they develop better skills. 
Second, you're increasing engagement. So especially if you're not the manager, share this with your manager and say, you're increasing engagement. We know workers today don't just want a paycheck. They want support. They want training. They want companies who care. Third, you're fostering internal networks because these groups aren't just engineers over here and salespeople over there. You mix it up. So you're going to interact with different people and build those relationships. And finally, you're creating a common language. If the book you choose is good to great, well, then when we've all read it, I can say to you, hedgehog model, and you say, oh, I know exactly what you mean. So all these come together. Notice there's no real cost. Maybe you bought some books, but again, use this podcast and you're getting it all for free. And you get all these four great advantages at absolutely no cost. And you're so great and generous with your experience and your knowledge. I know that your website is full of incredible content and freebies. Um, and I understand that you've taken it a step further and created an app. Tell us more about the app. There is, in addition to all the free stuff on the website, including how to create that peer learning program, I have an app called BrainBump, completely free, available on Android and iOS. BrainBump, it recognizes that when we learn something from a book or in this podcast, we're probably going to forget it later on. In school, we studied because we had a test. But as adults, we don't have tests and so we don't study. We don't look at it again. And we go, that's great. You might be driving to work right now and thinking, no, this is interesting. And then you walk in the door, you get hit with some meetings and you've forgotten this within hours, certainly within days. Brain Bump helps you retain what you read and hear from books, webinars, podcasts, blogs. We take the key ideas from that content we put into the app. So imagine a flashcard app crossed with a daily affirmation app. So all the key ideas, what you might highlight in a book or the quotes that get pulled out of a podcast, they go into the app as tip cards. They are all tagged by topic. And now this allows you to access them in one of two ways, all completely free. You can do a just-in-time access. So perhaps you read, let's say my book and you read those networking tips, but two months later, you're walking into a conference and you're thinking, well, I don't want to carry Mark's book with me and I can't remember what was in there. You pull out the app, you pick the networking tag and there are all the networking tips right at your fingertips within seconds. So you can flip through them two minutes before you walk into the room and now you have it all right there just as you need it. The other way to use it is Again, you listen to this podcast, you say, wow, so much great advice, but I don't know when exactly I'm going to need this entrepreneurial advice or this leadership advice, but you want to remember it. So you can set up to do, think like a daily affirmation where you don't even have to open the app. Because let's face it, we're busy. Who, have, who has time to open an app every day? It just gives you a little push at the time you requested. We never send you anything you didn't ask for. Just sends you a little pop-up that has the leadership tip or the management tip, or whatever tip you asked for, you look at it and say, well, that's great. Swipe it away. You're done. And by just taking those two seconds a day, you use spaced repetition to help retain it. They're all also hyperlinked. So you can click through to go to that podcast episode, go to the blog post to read further. If you're saying, I like this, I'm trying to remember the rest of it, click through, it's right there at your fingertips. So Brain Bump, it's all completely free. And now we're recording this in the summer of 2023. 
in September of 2023, we're releasing Brain Bump 2.0. If we don't yet have the book that you want, the podcast that you want, you can add your own tips directly to the app. You can use your Kindle highlights or enter just whatever you have. So you can use it for your content as well as all the free content that we give you. Oh my gosh. I, that is amazing because <laughs> I was literally just thinking, what about like in Kindle when I highlight something <laughs> and you mentioned, so that's, that is wonderful. Is that, do you have a process for getting feedback um, from users on updates or do, is there a team developing this app? How does that work? I'm working with some developers and designers on it, but we very much welcome feedback. In fact, the 2.0 version we're putting out is based on user feedback we got from both the content creators, the authors and podcasters, but also the content consumers, the people who are using the app saying, can it do this? We'd like to do that. And there's even within the app, you can message us. You can also just message me directly. I love getting your feedback because this app is for you. So tell me what you need to do and we'll add that into BrainBump. It's so great being able to utilize technology in, in such a positive way. I mean, there, it's a double-edged sword for sure of, you know, thinking of how social media has changed so much of how people interact and, and even just thinking about the advent of the smartphone and having our work emails at our fingers. Like I know, you know, how, how much I was working skyrocketed once I got my first Blackberry, you know, it's 10 o'clock at night and I got this email and I felt compelled to respond to it. So I think there's, it's such a such a delicate balance. And, you know, you being in the technology space and because you're also a fractional CTO, in addition to all of this amazing stuff, you know, and of course, combined with your computer science background from MIT, you know, what are some of the trends in technology that you're seeing? I mean, AI, of course, is all anybody can talk about. Do you have any insights into that or any other things that are kind of on the horizon that might change and shape the way that we live and work? I'll mention two things. AI is a second. Brain Bump actually is, I believe, part of a new trend coming out. Our media has traditionally been push media from I'm printing a book and putting it in bookshops and there it is, it's broadcast out. Or you think about the teaching that's been, I'm going to stand at the board and broadcast to everyone at this time and place. The problem is where you read information isn't where you need information. I gave the example before, you read the networking tips in my book, sitting at home, you need the networking tips two months later at a conference, and there's a disconnect. Now, technology limited us in how we could distribute information, but thanks to new technology, smartphones being at the core of this, we can switch from this push mechanism to a pull mechanism, and suddenly we can start to pull what we need, when we need it. And that's going to change how we interact with knowledge. We're going to see this in more sophisticated ways with things like augmented reality. I'm right here and I need to know this right now because of this particular space that I am in. Whether it's I run into you on the street, I'm thinking, oh, I'm trying to remember where are you working and what are the names of your kids? I need that right then and there and not five minutes before and not two days from now. And so that's context-dependent information. So I think that's going to be a big trend over the next 10, 20 years. You mentioned AI as well. AI is very big. I actually think now, as you and I both know, 
AI has been around for decades. Most people are talking AI today mean LLMs, large language models. It is certainly it is a breakthrough. My AI professors always said, oh, they always say 10 years from now, wait 10 more years. That's what <laughs> we well, finally we got there. <laughs> but here's the thing. The biggest impact, it's not the technology itself. It's the societal impact in two ways. We know technology destroys jobs and creates jobs. And we've seen this over and over again. But we're going to see an unprecedented level of change. It's going to be destroying not hundreds of thousands of jobs, but millions of jobs, tens of millions potentially, over a very short time frame of three to 10 years. And there will be a lag before the new jobs are created and or before people are ready to move into that, will have had the training to do so. This is going to create a societal disruption where the jobs will be there eventually, but we're going to have massive unemployment on a scale that we generally don't see outside of extreme recessions or depressions. The other challenge, this goes back to media, is we've all dealt with spam. We've all dealt with fake news and information on social media. We're about to turn that up to a thousand sure. because now, and I've worked in cybersecurity and I've worked on the dark web. I know the tools out there, but now we're going to crank that up because I can use these large language models and other tools to get so much more effective and just crank out so much more bad information and target information that we're going to really have to adjust our filters and just how we interact with content online to be a lot safer. I mean, I always think of it in terms of, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm married, but I think like, it would be awful to be single and dating online right now. Cause you could not trust anything that you see. And it's just gonna, if, if it, I mean, that's just a simple example of something that you know everyone can relate to, but how that will trickle down to everything we do is it's a little, it's a little frightening. It's funny you say that I am no longer single, but on my uh, what was it, Tinder and Bumble and on those dating apps, the way my profile began is I'm six foot one or Tinder six foot three. <laughs> you know, everyone on there lies in some way. So I said, okay, here's the truth. Here's the lie. Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, let's lighten it up a little before we wrap this up. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you would like to, that you would like to share? I think we hit the big topics. That's about it. I'll just share where you can get all this free stuff. Yes, tell the people all the places. There are two websites to go to. First is for the book, thecareertoolkitbook.com. And on that website, yes, you can see where to buy the book, Amazon, other places. You can also read my blogs and other articles. I talk about AI, I talk about other topics. You can get in touch with me or follow me on social media. But then there's a number of free resources, all free. I don't even ask for your email. Please take it using good health. The first one on the resources page is how to create that peer learning program we talked about. There are questions. If you're a candidate and you're interviewing, how do you ask questions about the company culture? How do you ask questions about management style? I have not only the questions, but even how to bring it up. I have other resources for how do you think about hiring someone if you're on the other side of the table. So lots of free resources 
all of this at thecareertoolkitbook.com. And then we mentioned the free Brain Bump app. If you go to brainbumpapp.com, you can also search for Brain Bump in the stores. But if you go to brainbumpapp.com, you can follow links to the stores. There's a 90-second video showing how it works. There's a Q&A section if you're not sure how to use a feature. And remember that depending on when you hear this, the 2.0 version is coming out in the fall of 2023. So get the free Brain Bump app and use it to remember all the great things you learned from this podcast and all your other sources so you always have it with you and you get better ROI on the time you spend learning. Well, I just love how generous you are with your information and knowledge and um, and thank you for your time and being here. There was a lot of great things for the listeners to digest. I suggest listening to this a couple of times. Definitely download the Brain Bump app. Um, and I love that even just the play on words. You know, we're so used to saying brain dump of getting everything out of our heads, but I love the the you know double entendre of bringing it back in that it's brain bump. We're bumping our brains up. So I love it. The nudge for your noggin. Oh, that's so good. All right, Mark. Well, thank you so much. I will have all of your contact information in the show notes for people. I hope they reach out to you. And um, and for those listening, thank you so much for being here. If you enjoyed this, please like, share, and subscribe to this so that we can continue to bring you more amazing guests. If there's anything that you're curious about, any type of profession that you would like to see on there, please reach out to me. I would love to try to find those guests for you. Until next time, everyone.